Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Sometimes we forget God's word and the promises he has spoken to us. As we consider, meditate, and pray on the promises, they will surround us and become a part of who we are, reminding us of who God is and what He wants to do. And now here is part two of Cheryl's message titled, Preparing the Promises. I found myself paralyzed and I, you know, by this depression. And I remember my son, Char, he entered the room and he says, Mom, do you think you're doing anyone any good by staying in bed? And I said, no. He said, do you think you're pleasing God? I said, no. He says, okay, then it's time to get up. And he walked out of my room and I heard him say to his siblings, it's all right, mom's going to be fine. I had a talk with her. But you know what? That talk really did work because God used it to help me just simply get out of bed. It wasn't that the depression immediately left or even lifted. It was simply, it was time to arise and get up and just start moving. And I found that the more I walked in obedience to God and just did the things that I was called to do, the more the depression lifted. A similar word was given to Zerubbabel by the prophet Zechariah. Zerubbabel also had a daunting job before him. He was told to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which was in absolute disarray and rubble. The stones that had been pulled off of each other weighed up to 20 tons. And God was saying to Zerubbabel, I want you to lay the foundation of the temple and rebuild the temple and reestablish Jerusalem. He also faced hostile opposition from the enemies all around. He faced political opposition from the government. He faced comparisons by the Israelites themselves. In fact, some, when he laid the foundation, began to cry because it just didn't look like the foundation that Solomon had laid. And all of this was against Zerubbabel. Yet God has a word for Zerubbabel. And he says, who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. God was saying to Zerubbabel, don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of arising and getting up. Just simply Put the plumb line down, start measuring, and the rest will be done. And then God said this amazing thing to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
God then reminded Joshua the personal promise that God himself had made to Joshua. In verses 3 through 6 of Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. For this people you shall divide the land as an inheritance, which I swore to their fathers to give them. God's promise itself has power contained in it. The more we simply rehearse the promise and we do that well, I personally do it by highlighting it, circling it, dating it in my Bible, reading it again and again, remembering it, considering it, looking at it, praying over it. Sometimes I even put my hand on that promise in the Bible and just pray it, pray it into my heart, pray it into my life, pray it for those it concerns. The more it becomes a part of us, the more we rehearse it, the more it will become our reality, our hope, and our expectation. What promises has God given you? Are you rehearsing them? Are you speaking them to yourself over and over again? I like to write them down. I like to have them close at hand. I like to preach them to myself. And I like to put a frame around them and hang them on the walls of my house so they stare back at me every day. You can't lay claim to a promise that you can't remember or that you don't know. We need to repeat these promises again and again, and we need to remind ourselves of the promises in the Word of God. Joshua was reminded of the promise, and he needed to continually rehearse the promise of God. This is what God has promised. This is what God will do. Fourthly, Joshua's preparation included practicing the presence of God. God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God never intends for us to try to take or lay claim to the promises by ourselves. He is the one who goes before us, behind us, with us, beside us. So how do we practice his presence? I believe it's by having a continual conversation with God. I love to turn my thoughts into prayers. I find if I just concentrate on my thoughts, they can go south really fast. I can be thinking about mayhem and get depressed and just all sorts of bad things. But if I turn my thoughts into prayers, it's amazing how fast the promises of God come to me. And I am cognizant of God's presence with me. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Could it be that Paul was saying, turn your thoughts into prayer? Keep praying. Keep a heart of prayer. Keep a mindset of prayer. Fifthly, we need to seek the strength of the Lord and take our courage from God. Verse 6, God says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, God says, be strong and of 
good courage that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Verse 9, God says, be strong and of good courage. We are to derive our strength from the Lord. Obviously, Joshua didn't feel strong or courageous. God had to speak this to him and into him. Isn't it awesome that when God speaks to us, he doesn't just speak at us, he speaks into us? This is what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 12, when it says that the word of God is alive, living, powerful, stronger than any two-edged sword, dividing between the bone and the marrow. God's word gets into us. It doesn't just sit on top of us. We can ingest it and it can be part of us. And this is what God is doing. He is speaking strength. He is speaking courage into Joshua. So we, in order to be prepared to take the promises, cannot measure the job before us by our own strength or by our own courage. No, we measure it by the greatness of our God and we take our strength from the strength of the Lord. Paul in Ephesians 6.10 told the believers to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. After that, Paul informed the believers of the unseen host and powers that were in opposition to them. I'm glad Paul didn't tell us about all those powers and principalities first, because we probably would have been, oh no, what are we going to do? But he first told us, be strong in the Lord. Take your strength from God Almighty. That's how you stand against the forces of evil. And when you stand in the strength of the Lord, these forces of evil cower. So Paul, again, be strong in the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot famously said, courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to do the very thing we fear. The phrase, be strong and courageous, can also mean take courage in the Lord. In other words, find your courage in the Lord. God was saying to Joshua, lean into me for all the strength and all the courage you're going to need for this undertaking, for this calling that I've called you to do. God does not expect you to use your limited strength, energy, or wisdom to possess the promises. To be prepared to enter into the promises of God, you need to learn how to lean into, take from the strength and courage of the Lord. The endeavor before you is going to require greater strength than you have ever felt. It is going to require greater strength than you have ever known. But the good news is the great I am that I am. I am your strength. I am your power. I am your courage. I am your victory goes before us and with us and has storehouses of strength and courage to empower us. Six, we need to meditate on God's word. Joshua 1.8, this is God's word to Joshua. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditation is more than reading. Evan Lynn Wood's speed reading course won't work for the Bible. The Bible is a spiritual book and it requires spiritual concentration, spiritual consideration, and spiritual meditation. The word meditation here means to mutter to yourself. It's actually an agricultural term. It actually literally means to chew the cud. A cow grasps the blade of grass, he chews, he swallows. The blade of grass goes into his stomach, which is two chambers. It's mixed with digestional juices, and it is digested. And then it returns to the cow's mouth. I hope you're not grossed out by this. To be chewed again to get the full flavor and the full nutrition and to become fully digested. So the word of God goes into us, but we're to recall it to our memory, bring it back to mind and think it over and over again that we might get the full nutritional value from the word of God, get the full flavor of what God is saying to us. We are to meditate on it. The more we fill our heart and mind with God's word, the more it will come out of our lips. In Matthew 12, 34 and Luke 66, 45, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you realize what that means? That means that if we fill our heart with the word of God, it's just going to flow out of our mouths. It's not that we're going to say, oh, I need to say a scripture right now. I need to say a scripture. It's just going to come out of us. So we need to meditate on God's word. Seven. We need to receive the encouragement others desire to give to us. In verses 13 through 18 of Joshua chapter 1, the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh come to Joshua. Though they have already settled their families in the lands that were won from Og and Bashan on the other side of the Jordan, the side of the Jordan where the camp of Israel is camped, Joshua then reminds them of the vow they made to Moses. In fact, Joshua is reminding of the promise that they promised. They promised to fulfill their vow to Moses that they would indeed go over the Jordan with Israel to fight for the lands of the other tribes that the other tribes of Israel might possess their promises. They promised to follow Joshua with the addendum to Joshua. Only the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. Only be strong and of good courage. These two and a half tribes who settled in unspecified territory prayed for Joshua, encouraged Joshua, and even challenged Joshua to be the leader God had called him to be, even as Moses was a leader sent from God. I love this promise or this addendum, this prayer, this encouragement that these tribes gave to Joshua. Leadership needs prayer. Leadership needs encouragement. Too many times we say, well, they're the leader. They're closer to God. I need their encouragement. But you receive encouragement from the messages you're given. But leadership, those who are taking 
the church of God into new territory. They need God's wisdom, God's strength, God's courage, God's wisdom. Paul, on at least three different occasions, asked for prayer. In Ephesians 6, 19, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, Paul exhorted that prayers and supplications be made for all who are in leadership. The author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, he asked for prayer. Even as your leaders need encouragement, I understand that you need encouragement. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, as you would others do unto you, do for them. If you need encouragement, begin to encourage others. This word from the tribes actually confirmed God's personal word to Joshua. Isn't it incredible how people will often give us a scripture and it encourages and it confirms the very word that we feel God is impressing on us? And they were telling Joshua, lead us. Step up to the charge that God has given you. Do all that God is telling you to do. Joshua is no doubt further encouraged to move forward because of this encouragement. Now, because Joshua took these seven steps to preparation, because Joshua listened to these tribes, encourage him, Joshua was prepared to go in and possess the promises. But he was also able to prepare the people to possess the promises. In verse 11, we read, he began to encourage all the people to possess the promises. He told them it was time to pack up camp and be ready to move across the Jordan River and into the promised land. In other words, the 40-year wait was over. When you prepare yourselves to receive the promises of God, the natural outflow is that you will prepare others. Again, that word of God will just flow out of you. You'll be an inspiration and you'll be an example. When you take the promises of God and you begin to stand in them, other people begin to seek the promises of God. You become an example of how to receive, stand, and move forward in them. When I left Vista years ago, it was over 20 years ago now, I remember a woman writing to me and saying, Cheryl, you used to say that the Lord spoke to you in the word in this way or in that way. And I had never received anything from the word, but now you were gone and I had to receive myself. And I sat down with my Bible open and I said, God, speak to me like you speak to Cheryl. And I can honestly say that God then began to speak to me and I began to read so much from God's word. In other words, God was saying to my friend Suzanne, Cheryl, my servant, has moved to England. Now you arise and go into the promises I have for you. Other people need you to begin to move forward and make those preparations. Years ago, when I was a young pastor's wife, I was invited to socialize with a certain group of women. My first time meeting with them, going out to lunch with them, they were so cutting and so insulting to each other. 
that I came home and said, Brian, those women are so competitive with each other. I don't want to ever be with those women again. I felt bad about the way I dressed. I didn't even want to say anything. And for those of you who know me, for me to be quiet, that's a big one. But that's how intimidated I was. And I remember Brian looked at me and said, who's the pastor's wife? And I said, well, you know, I am. And he said, then who's got the responsibility to lead them into kind behavior and the promises of God? And I said, well, I guess that would be me. And Brian said, absolutely. So the next time I met with those women and I met with them again, I went out to lunch, I decided to initiate the tone of the conversation. And with fear and trembling, but taking my courage from the Lord, I said, I want to share with you what I received from God in my devotions this morning. And I quoted the scripture God had given me. And I told them what I felt God impressing in my heart through my Bible study. And everyone went quiet. I was sure that was the last time I'd ever be invited to be with that group of women. I was sure they never wanted to hear from me again. And I thought I was pretty much hated by that group. But a strange thing happened. I was invited to lunch again. And when I went to lunch the next time, to my surprise, all of those women came with a scripture to share and something that the Lord had given them. Gone was the competition. Gone was the intimidation. Gone was the meanness and the cutting remarks. And in its place was a tremendous spirit of grace and of love and of courage and of power and of kindness. It was amazing. Those weekly lunches became the delight of my life and Oh, what an incredible encouragement they were. But I realized that those women were looking to me to lead. Perhaps your neighborhood is looking to you to lead them in the promises of God. Perhaps your family, your children are looking to you to lead them in the promises of God. Perhaps those in your group are looking to you to lead them in the promises of God. What is keeping you back? It's time to prepare yourself. Paul, the apostle, was able to say to the Corinthians in Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Again, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul took the initiative. He said to the people, Begin to prepare yourself. Watch how I prepare and you prepare yourself. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul said, The things that you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Then in Philippians 3.17, he said, Join in following my example. Paul could point to his own life. That requires living in the light, walking in plain sight, and being authentic, and preparing yourself in the preparations of the promises of God. Joshua had to do this. He had to prepare himself before he could prepare others in the to receive the promises of God. I don't know about you, but I know that I learn 
best by watching how someone else does it. You can tell me what buttons of the computer to push, but until you show me 50 billion times, I'm not going to catch on to it. I have to watch it. I have to see it done. The children of Israel must have been so excited to enter the promised land. They had been waiting for 40 years. They had watched their parents fail and fall to disease and death in the wilderness. And now here they were again at the very entrance to all the promises of God. And it was time to be prepared. And they were looking to Joshua. And Joshua prepared himself in the promises of God by forgetting the past, arising, and simply getting going, if that makes sense, rehearsing the promise, practicing God's presence, seeking God's strength and courage for the work, meditating on God's word, and receiving the confirmation encouragement from others. Let's begin to prepare our hearts and lives to enter into and take possession of God's exceedingly great and precious promises. Because until you do, you cannot prepare anyone else for the promises of God. Preparation is important. When you prepare yourself to receive the promises of God, the natural outflow is that you will prepare others. The Word of God will just flow out of you and be an inspiration and an encouragement. As you take the promises of God and stand in them, people will notice and begin to seek the promises of God too. God's Word will transform you and by your example, it will transform others. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the faith of Rahab as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.